Huzzah! It is finally December, and that means cold weather here in the Midwest, and that means, for me, more coffee. And, as always, Life Boost is here to help. So, this week, I basically woke up and had dessert in a mug with the frosted cinnamon roll coffee. It was absolutely incredible. Um, But I really love the toasted coconut, and I still have to try the eggnog latte. And honestly, it's always the hardest choice when I go onto their website and try to figure out which one I want next. And maybe you're like me, and you can't make those choices, but we are in luck. Because there's a holiday bundle. So sit down, strap in, because I don't think you're ready for this. This holiday bundle comes with a Vermont maple cream, a toasted chestnut, peppermint mocha, mocha? Yes, not mocha, eggnog latte, gingerbread latte, and white chocolate mocha. That was me dropping the mic. You're welcome. The other fun idea that you have for this is if you maybe don't like the white chocolate mocha or one of the flavors, you can keep some for yourself and give the rest as gifts with a cute mug. And I don't know, give it to like, you know, Linda down the street with her two cats and ferret. You know, that lady. Okay, so go ahead. Go to lifeboost.com. Give yourself or your kooky neighbor the gift of Life Boost. And you can save 30% with our code of UNMASKED. That's UNMASKED to save 30%. U-N-M-A-S-K-E-D. And cheers! So if you know me at all, you know that I probably was a lizard in my past life because I do not handle the cold at all. I was not built for this bullshit. But that is what hot yoga and floating is here to help me with. A Place to Float is an absolutely beautiful facility dedicated to float therapy. And recently I tried out one of their pools instead of their pods. And I thought of you guys. Actually, a lot of people have um, shared with me that they start to kind of cringe at the thought of being enclosed in a pod. And I totally get it. So I am here to tell you Fear no more because the pool has absolutely no lid, but is just as sensory deprivated. Is that a word? I don't know. Anyway, you are still getting your 95 degree water with 1,200 pounds of Epsom salt, allowing you to float, but now it's in a pool designed to shut out any external light or sound. It's incredibly beneficial. In fact, a recent study suggests that time floating in a tank can help you with muscle relaxation, better sleep, decrease in pain, and decreased stress and anxiety. And I am here to tell you that I definitely feel like that. I actually floated twice this week, and boy howdy did it help my back. I just started that saying, boy howdy. I, let's move on. Being able to float twice in 72 hours has made it so that my body has the amazing ability to recover, I think, faster. Um, And I actually usually practice my mindful meditation in the tank before I start to kind of just doze off completely. (laughs) If you are contemplating floating at all, I highly recommend it. And I also recommend using our code UNMASKED to save yourself 20%. That's unmasked, U-N-M-A-S-K-E-D, to save 20% on your first float. 
Heck, you know what? Save yourself 20% and use this as a Christmas gift. Find that person in your life who definitely could use 60 minutes of uninterrupted, calming, chill, and give this to them. All right, welcome to Unmask the Podcast. We are here with Corey Mahon. Hello. Also known as Corey Mahoney. Yes, <laughs> Corey Mahoney. That was Carbomb. Yeah. That, Why does, we, I didn't know that was your name, really, until just today. Yeah, John Campbell said it, actually, because <laughs> we were like, we're actually going to go talk to Corey Mahon, and he goes, oh, the Irish car bomb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so when I was fighting, that was my that was my fight name, my ring name, yeah. I kind of like that. Are you yeah. turned on by that? <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see my boner. <laughs> we're an explicit podcast, by the way. Excellent. Excellent. We so could good. I'm, I'm glad that you don't have to use the bleep button so many times. Oh, yeah. It'd just be like beep <laughs> the entire time. Like, what actually happened to that podcast? Yeah, it's <laughs> all redacted. <laughs> yeah. So, how did you even get started? In martial arts? Yeah. When I was eight years old, I wanted to be a Power Ranger. So, yeah. same, same. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you didn't want to be a Which one? Uh, so definitely the Green Power Ranger, uh, right? So yeah. Evil Green Ranger, that was my favorite. The Evil Green Ranger. Yeah. I, Is it I don't because remember. you're so nice? It's his know. alter ego. He had, he had the evil sword and he fucked up the Red Ranger in that room with the smoke. Man, you, you're recalling way better than I do. Dude, I lived on Power Rangers. Wow. Ninja Turtles and Dragon Ball. That was, that okay. was like the big three. Right there. <laughs> okay, I was I was Power Rangers and Batman. Well, that I yeah. watched that one a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the podcast. <laughs> so, all right, fuck, explicit, great. Okay, okay. So I want to be a Power Ranger, so I started doing judo. Uh, I really did well at that, and uh, that then I started wrestling, and then my senior year of high school, I took my first MMA fight. Your senior year, how did that go down in high school? Like, how did your friends react to that? Uh, like they thought it was really cool. It was a, it was two thousand five. It was the same year the Ultimate Fighter so had its like, debut. When it just started. Yeah, basically, yeah. it got big anyways. Right, like, right. Um, so like everybody thought it was cool and everything, but I did really bad. Um, got armbarred in like sixty seven seconds because I never had actually trained MMA. Right, I'd done judo and wrestling, never done any real striking training or even jujitsu. So I got smashed, and then the guy who beat me ended up training me for the next couple of years, and then I started training with John. Well, shout out to John Campbell. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so who did you fight then? That his was name training was you? his name was Chris High Guy. Oh, okay, heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Sounded familiar. He was in the scene for a long time, but he hasn't been around for. Was he also part years? of the Lone Star Wolf team? The, what was the Rolling Thunder? This is the North Star. Okay. Oh, I don't John think. Campbell's. I don't think that was. Okay. Yeah. Rolling Thunder. Yeah, rolling. It was. Uh, so that's where Luke Taylor got his start. Um, who's that real weird guy down in Bloomington? Yes, all of them. Okay. Chase. <laughs> Chase Burton. <laughs> oh, I can't remember his name, but he trained with them for a while. Yeah. Okay. It was it was uh it was a podunk fight team, but I got me a couple wins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, got me a couple wins, and then I started training with the the Damage Inc. guys. Uh, the the it was uh, integrated fighting became Damage Inc. became IBG. So I trained with them when they were Damage Inc. Okay, that was a better connection. Evolution. Yeah. That I was okay. 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 Yeah. That makes sense. What um, 
Like, it's it's interesting that you chose judo. Was it just, like, the martial art down the street? Was it something that you, like, Googled on the internet in 20... Or in 2005? So, so I started training in, like, 1994. That's when I started doing judo. Okay. Yeah, eight years old. Um, but, uh... It, it was just what was available. I grew up out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. So, like, the town I grew up in has a population of, like, 400. We happen to have a pretty top-level judo coach. Where is this? Nashville, Indiana. Okay. okay. Yeah. And I lived... I didn't live in Nashville. I lived 30 minutes from Nashville. Okay. The nearest gas station was 30 minutes away. Like, oh, yeah. out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. That's yeah. That's where my parents Dude, that, that's wild, because when I think of small towns, like, because I'm from Clayton, which is, like, the tiniest town yeah. ever... And there's nothing out there. You had to drive 25 minutes to Plainfield. And the only things out there at the time were karate schools. Yeah. So I'm really shocked that you found judo. Not just judo, but like good judo. It was. It was like the Midwest has pretty solid judo. Uh, Like Kayla Harrison and Travis Stevens came from Ohio. We would do camps in the summer to get ready for nationals and junior Olympics. Uh, It was Kayla Harrison at 12 years old. I was four years old to her so she's 12 I'm 16 would beat the dog shit out of me and it was super embarrassing and she didn't give any fucks <laughs> <laughs> that's fair the whole room would be making fun of me and all the other you know teenage boys get beat up by this little girl oh yeah, yeah so then she was mean yeah. she sounds <laughs> so mean she sounds actually great but she is she's great but she like she was mean okay yeah you gotta be the okay. best kind of mean yeah 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 so judo to an MMA fight in senior year. From there, philosophy. Yeah. So um, I was actually really fortunate. Um, got a got to go to college right out of high school, and while I was doing that, my like part time job was training. So I got to train full time and go to school full time, and uh, lean on mommy for support in a lot of ways. That's what you're there for, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, yeah I, to this day, I'm still doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a house and a full time job, and I'm Excellent. still doing that. Yeah, yeah. So that was really the that was a pretty sweet life. Um, majored in philosophy, and then uh, out of college, I um, got a job with the state, and then I was working full-time and uh, training full-time. So that was very different than going to school full-time and training full-time. Yeah. Like, it was just... didn't really have any free time, but um, I was really... I was living the life I wanted to live. Just... There's some sacrifice, you know? Just, yeah. Just got to sacrifice that, to pursue dreams. kind of where I'm at, yeah. yeah. I feel you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, can you hang it's, out? It's a Thursday night. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> it's wrestling tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Yeah. No, no, like, it's... I think it's really wonderful to have a partner you can share that lifestyle with, though. That that's really important because, really, in a lot of ways, that that lifestyle cost me in my first marriage. Um, like she she complained that I didn't have enough time for her, and I said, "Well, you knew what you were signing up for." Like I was totally uh, uh, insensitive to to what she was saying, even though she was right in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, yeah, but you were also right in a lot of ways too. I mean. Yeah. She did, and I did, and I've literally said that before because I'll, like, complain and be like, when people, when our coaches will split us up when we're training together, <laughs> I'm like, 
I get that I have to be a nice partner to be in the gym because I've been there and I get it. But I'm also like, they understand that this is the only time that we talk, right? <laughs> like, unless I'm texting you, this is how I get to understand about your day because we can train. And I'm like, how was your day? And then you tell me. And then we go home and we go our separate ways because he's making dinner and I'm upstairs getting my shit together. So... I know that's really hard in a lot of ways, but it's also really beautiful in a lot of ways, too. I'm glad <laughs> yeah. you guys get that. Like, that's... Yeah, totally. Because yeah. I... And, you know, like, he... Today, I was like, I really don't want to go to the gym. And he's like, but I really want you there. And I'm like, oh, fuck, okay. That's okay, we gotta go. Right? Gotta like, go. like... Well, because last weekend, here's my she heart. was in Michigan, and I went into the gym by myself, and that was sad, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be the weird guy that's showing up all by I, myself. I was, I was Everybody bitch- else shows Literally up by themselves. Everybody. I was bitching, and I looked over, and she wasn't there, like, <laughs> doing, like, kettlebell cleans or anything else, and I'm like, well, here I am. This is so this is what it's like to be everybody else in the gym. <laughs> Damn, what the hell? You don't, oh, you're not a power couple? You're not, I don't understand. <laughs> that's awesome. But, like, you... I mean, every choice you make leads to where you are now, which yeah. seems really great. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm really happy with my life right now. Yeah. Um, got well, to... Go ahead. Uh, like, just got my hot tub working. I like, that, if that doesn't say I've made it, I don't yeah. know what does. <laughs> I actually feel like you have officially made it to upper middle class yeah. because you have a hot tub. Yeah, you know. Hot tub, two great dogs. Yeah. Two great dogs. Amazing <laughs> dogs. MMA fighter. You also fight fires. Former MMA fighter. Well, yeah. okay. Well, whatever. You can still, still be labeled that. Yeah, You okay. can still be labeled okay. that because I feel like if a good I don't opportunity think, came around, you'd be like, fuck yeah, let's go. If they called you today and was like, hey, I need you to fill a spot in the UFC or, or, or Juan or Bellator or anything yeah. like that, I mean. I, I would definitely take the opportunity. Yeah, because yeah, they don't come around that often. Right, you yeah. Know? I would definitely take the opportunity, but uh, I'm not really, like, I really just train in jiu-jitsu now. That's yeah. really all I'm doing, which I love. And yeah. don't want to really, you know, take more brain damage. So that, that's fair. I mean, that's a fair statement. Yeah. I, I however, yeah. have not received enough brain damage. Teach so. their own. <laughs> <laughs> There's. <laughs> so where is that threshold? When is it that you've taken enough? I'm not sure. Maybe when my eyes droop and I'm stuttering. Yeah. Not, that's <laughs> that. I feel like that's at least a good place to start looking at where the line should be. <laughs> I think my biggest fear is that I'm like, I just don't want you to wake up one day and decide I'm going to kill my family because of brain damage. Cause I really don't know how to fend you off. Like you're real strong. So like, <laughs> I, <laughs> and you and I both know where all the weapons are in the house. If you're so holding I feel food like, though, it might be better. So just have something cooked at all times. I just, <laughs> I, I can't imagine Brandon getting to that level of brain damage yes, though. That's where I'm but see they said the same thing about what's his face, Chris What's his face, who killed his family and buried him in the desert. The the wrestler? I don't remember what he did. Yes, he was like a really buff dude. And his wife was like He was also jacked to the gills on steroids. Okay, okay, that's yeah. fair. So there's that I don't too. That's fair. Yeah. So, <laughs> I barely even drink. Yeah. So Yes. <laughs> I would that's hope true. that my coaches would step in and would say Brandon, you've taken some abuse. Yeah. You need to stop it. You know, yeah. I feel like that's a lot of fighters' downfalls is people don't speak up and say, uh, Cowboy Cerrone, you need to stop fighting. You know, I, I like think that. they do, but he just doesn't listen. Yeah, I've, like, if Sarah were to come to you and say, Brandon, I feel like you've taken enough damage. I think that we need to look at some other options for you to be able to pursue this goal in a different way. How's that going to go? 
I don't know. We'll see I, where I'm at. Sarah wouldn't say that. <laughs> right, that. Yeah, how did she have that conversation and it go well? Like, yeah. I mean, that's true. I don't know. Not, not that I'm saying she's tried to talk me into having that conversation with you. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, I would hope that you would say something to me about that. <laughs> through my life. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think I would have that conversation. I mean, I... Unless I'm literally feeding you, like in a with a spoon. At that like, point, you're probably at that point, it's like hello. <laughs> but have you guys seen the videos of backyard fights of guys in wheelchairs? What? No. Mm. It's a real thing. That's yeah. I I just watched one that somebody posted because it was an actual MMA fighter. He wasn't a very good one, but against like a street fighter and you know the street fighter was wearing shoes, of course, because he's a fucking moron. <laughs> And Do you always take your shoes off for your street fights? Oh, I would 100% take my shoes off if it wasn't in the street. I mean, I don't know. If it's in the streets, I might leave them on. But this is in, like, a backyard. You wear second. chucks. <laughs> That's going to take a minute to That's take gonna, off. Hold, hold on. Just let me just, like, unlace my shoes. It wasn't sanctioned, but they knew what they were doing. Okay. In a backyard. Okay. Right. It wasn't like it was... Like so, a group, like spectators in the backyard, right? Yeah, yeah. and they were filming it because it was an actual, like, it was unsanctioned, but it was a backyard underground fight. Yeah. It's basically like when we're at Corey's parties, and then <laughs> yes. it's like, well into the night, he and rolls out the mats. And my shoes like, are yeah. off at that point, yeah. though. <laughs> but this, the, the street fighter somehow got the MMA guy to the ground, and he was playing jiu-jitsu, and slapped a heel hook on him and the guy just laid there and you heard popping and uh, did and it sound like a shotgun about to go off pop <laughs> no it wasn't but so then they were like okay well that fight's over and then they were just like taping the guy's foot up and he's like oh see he's good to go like no mm. you, you lost your ACL that day yeah. sir and I'm he doesn't just, even know how bad that I'm is. just gonna assume he doesn't have health insurance <laughs> so Yeah. So same same sort of situation with the wheelchair fighters, but people are like pushing the wheelchairs together, and then they're just sitting there knee to knee. So it's like a rock video and game. Rolling. Yeah, yeah. Like he works <laughs> kind of video one person game. controlling this. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, that that movie that movie Gamer. Yeah. Yeah. It had Leonidas in it. Yes. I don't know who that is, but Um, it sounds like a badass TD. What? The guy from 300. Yeah, the one who kicked the guy and said, this is Sparta. Yes, yes. I didn't know that was his name. I just know him as this is Sparta. Okay, yeah, that guy. (laughs) This is Sparta was was the main guy in Gamer. Wow. Capital T, capital T. Yeah. Gerald (laughs) Butler. Four. Okay. Were they all at the eight-second saloon? 
No, I didn't have any amateur fights at the Eight Second Saloon. No shit. I fought for Legends of Fighting, who did their fights at Eight Second Saloon. But it was before they got to Eight Second Saloon, it was at the Johnson County Fairgrounds, out oh, in the wow. middle of where they do the like demolition derby. Yeah, neat. Dirt field. <laughs> I used to because I had a friend from high school that told me he was fighting mixed martial arts, and he fought for Legends. So yeah. I never I fought at Eight Seconds with his Midwest Fight Series. At the time. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think it was so, like. I think it was the same group of people running it. They just, I think so, yeah, because yeah. um, the same guy, that, basically the same guy who did all the matchmaking. Yeah. I think he kind of transferred to that. Yeah. But yeah, so Legends, yeah, I remember watching Legends, and, and there were some there were some fun scraps. Yeah, <laughs> I had I had a few fights at a second saloon, but that was after I went pro. Okay, I probably watched you fight and didn't realize it. Yeah. Because I was there like, um, shit. I'm trying to think. There was a my buddy was on Team True Blood. Who ran that? I don't remember. But that I remember, sounds familiar. But he right got. Here. They had the the sunglasses with the, the the the. Oh my fucking what! The the sunglasses with the lenses, but the lenses were like they looked like the like pictures on rap jobs. Yeah. Yeah. That was this is yeah this is going way back. <laughs> I remember though. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was like their sponsor. Fly was like, eyes. Is that what it was called? Something like that. Flies. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't like it. I didn't either. I didn't either. Like I just yeah. feel like when you start to have matching outfits is when you need to like rethink what's happening in your life. Huh. I just, I don't know. <laughs> is that the only reason? <laughs> I just don't think it's cool anymore. Like it's one thing to have like the UFC be like, you're putting this on. But to be like, guys, 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 I think it'd be Doing really cool yeah. if we had matching sunglasses. <laughs> I don't know. It, well, they weren't matching, but they all had different prints on them. But that was like their sponsor. Oh, okay, and then never mind. It's totally fucking lit. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I misspoke. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You didn't have an, all the facts. I so. surely did yeah. not. Sorry. Should ask a few more questions. Yeah, I should have. You always do things. Got it. Sometimes. <laughs> How did you decide to go pro? I was tired of not getting paid to get hit in the face. That's yeah. Same. <laughs> So, so I was, uh, when I started the, like, Indiana was just starting to get their gaming commission together. The difference between pro and amateur was getting paid and not getting paid. Like, you didn't have to have so many fights or, or whatever the credentials are now. Do you think that it was easier to fight people back then because not everyone had the expertise or the amount of training ability than it was, than it is now? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, um... Lots, lots of Timmy tough guys would train with their buddy in their garage, and I gotta admit that's what I was doing with Chris High guy. Um, and then they'd go take a fight against somebody who's training at a real gym and get their dicks kicked in, you know. Um, I don't like that for them. Yeah, yeah, right. Nobody wins except for the guy who won. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wins in that situation. Well, one guy <laughs> yeah, one guy, one guy. Fifty percent of people. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of lopsided mismatches um, at these lower regional cards. Fortunately, I trained with a team where I was on the winning side of a lot of those lopsided mismatches. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> but is it the same as, like, the same pool? So it's, like, the Midwest pool, like, Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, Illinois. I don't know what else would be considered in that region. For, for like fighting yeah yeah people um, they would pull from so 
my first my my amateur fights were all real local guys like Central Indiana. Okay. And then my first few pro fights, my my very first pro fight was a guy from Pennsylvania that had like thirty fights. What the fuck? Yeah. Thirty pro? Yeah. Uh, maybe not pro back then. Okay, so yeah, he had, he had but, like thirty amateur and then like. But pro. he was like he was. Like fighting every weekend, you know, okay. just because back then fighting you could. every yeah. fucking well, back weekend. Then you could. Yeah, yeah, um, but like could and should are not the same. Well, correct, but like back then, though, there was nobody to say you fought two weeks ago. You are not allowed to fight for another month at least. Or some shit. Aww, Briscoe. that was cute. That was real cute. <laughs> but uh, also, let's just acknowledge for a minute that if you're willing to go let somebody hit you in the face, get locked in the cage with another human being that's trying to beat you more than you beat them, you're not really in the interest of making good health decisions. It's true. I'll go, I'll go, yeah. Yeah. You're right. There's a little bit of masochism that goes into that mindset. mindset. But masochism can be a fine health decision. People do it in roller derby. You know? Yeah, sure, yeah. I but. feel like I feel like that's not a fair statement for the sole reason that literally I get that we're doing hand to hand combat and like someone could get knocked out, but everybody has that in their sport. Like look at rugby, you know? Sure. Yeah. But well, I mean but yeah, I don't know. I less people get injured in rugby, I feel like, than well Really? Maybe not. Rough, I watched that one episode of Friends, and it looked really rough. Yeah, <laughs> to be fair, though, Ross Keller was the smallest one, that's and he true. never played yeah. before. So, and they were gunning for him because he was going to marry the girl they all they were all friends with. Wow. And that was a deep. That was deeper than I anticipated. I, but here we are. You're talking to the Friends guy here, all right? <laughs> I, I have a confession. Uh oh. No, never saw it. Don't say it. Okay. <laughs> we'll just move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Yeah, but like, when. Especially back then, when there wasn't the regulation, like it was, it was a lot of it was just about proving how tough you are, mm-hmm. and to some people that meant fighting every weekend. Yeah, I I used to because um, I had a friend that lived in ISU, or went to ISU and lived out there, and he had a friend who uh, had um, she owned a karate shop out there. Okay. So a karate like, shop. Yeah, like a karate like martial arts shop. Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess it was a martial arts shop. I can't say just karate, but like, what does that mean? She sold martial arts gear. Okay, thank you. <laughs> like a pro shop without the gym. Yeah. Okay, I was like, what the so, fuck? He, I thought you were literally just going to be like, she sold karate. And I was like, I don't understand. She doesn't have a shop anymore. It's called Kamikaze Karate. It's super cool. That's a really cool name. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but we we helped run like a like a little stand in front of the cage so I get to watch like fights the fights for free that night and a lot of like somebody literally walked up and again before regulation and grabbed a mouth guard and said can I use this to like one of the refs or officials and they said yeah and he goes cool I got one like not even molded it and people were using their own wraps because back then they didn't really I mean, they had kind of checked them, I guess, but they still didn't. You know, now you got to wrap your hands. They like, get marked, yeah, and all that stuff. And like, I, and you also didn't need to do your blood work. They would pull people out of the crowds if they wanted to. It was just a way different. They would pull people out of the crowd. If, if literally it, pulled me out of the crowd for one of my amateur fights. Shut the fuck up. 
I was what there. What did they say? Did they say, does anyone volunteer as tribute? I was there to coach, so I guess I wasn't out of the crowd. But, like, I was sitting in the stands, and the guy running the show came up and said, hey, we have a guy who, who uh, didn't show up for the fights tonight. Wait in the night before. Didn't show up that night for the fights. He asked me if I'd do it, and did it because it was about showing how tough you are. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about now? I think it's it's uh, become more of a sport. People are trying to make it and yeah. actually, you know, build and and make it to the big show. Yeah, which is about what showing how tough you are. Earning I suppose there's part of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, but but so now now you can't just go in there being tough. You have to be trained and well rounded and an athlete. Um, the the guys who are training in people's garages are even competitive at the local scene anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's it's starting to become more of an actual, an actual sport yeah. versus what they used to call it was human cockfighting. <laughs> Thank you, John McCain. <laughs> John McCain called it that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The he he was very invested in boxing, and so when the UFC came out and people were no holes bar beating shit out of each other. He spoke out against it because he saw something that was going to make more money eventually than boxing, which he was right. Didn't he shoot someone? No. He was, John McCain was in the military. Well, so he probably so did shoot someone. Like, you're thinking of uh, George W. Bush's vice president, and I can't remember his name. Yeah, okay, I am thinking. Dick, Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney. Yeah, he actually That's right. people. But, <laughs> Hunting is rough. But uh, John McCain picked out against that. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, it's about showing how tough you are. <laughs> <laughs> the but, deer really said. <laughs> but he spoke out against that because of that. But then later on, the reason why I say he, you know, just did that because of the boxing was because later on he was kind of all for it and actually talked it up some. Yeah. So he. I don't like how it. he has decided to be part of the world that I tried really hard to leave him <laughs> out of. Well, it's, yeah. So that that was the thing. He he actually I don't remember which UFC it was, but they actually had to switch venues at the last minute because he was actively trying to get them shut down as a U.S. senator. He was trying to get the show shut down, so they switched venues we at the last minute. We can't have any fun. Planned Parenthood gets <laughs> shut down. UFC, what the fuck? It was nuts. Get out of here. Yeah. That's so wild. I can't believe you were just like I volunteer and then went and fought. Well, I mean, at the time I was I was. There wasn't an off-season. I was training all the time. That makes sense. Yeah. But even if you weren't, I feel like, according to, you know, what we've already discussed, it doesn't seem like you would have had too hard of a time, yeah. even if you were in an off-season. Right. There were, there were a lot of weak opponents. What yeah. um, what brought you into then jiu-jitsu? Was it just, like, the idea of training everything? or? Yeah, so, like, jiu-jitsu was what beat me in my first fight, so that oh, really yeah, opened yeah. my eyes to the to the necessity of it in my game. So. Yeah. Where you got on ready, and you're like, what was that? Will I you mean, teach me, <laughs> sensei? And you got up. It was, like, I'm embarrassed about how close that was to the truth. <laughs> So like there there's ground game in judo, but that's not the focus. Yes. Right? It's, it's throws. Yeah, yeah. And then you have like ten seconds to initiate a little bit of ground attack and when you don't have any, when you don't make any advances, they stand you back up. So like I was aware of an arm bar and I actually stopped the first one. That's why it took him sixty seconds instead of forty. Uh, good, good job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That uh it, it really opened my eyes to needing jujitsu, and and that was one of the things that Chris did really well, and and um, 
But that then covers all of your like floor. I mean, wrestling, judo, jujitsu. That's a trifecta of, of floor work. But then, what about your stand up game? Where did that? Yeah, that that is to this day my weak point. Still, uh, it's it's definitely gotten better over the years. But having twelve years, eight, ten years of of grappling before I even started MMA, it's hard for striking to ever catch up with yeah, that level of that's true though. I mean, base, you know. But I feel like every every MMA fighter's got one thing they're really sure. good at, and yeah. then they're 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 great at one thing and they're good at everything else. Right. Or they're because nowadays it's not like they're you know it's it's not one guy who's substantially great at one thing and then not good at anything else. Right. And they're just good at taking back to that. Whereas like, you know, they're just they're good at everything and they're great at something. Right. Which is what they stick to. Like Israel Asanya is good at everything, but he sticks to striking because that's what he is best at. Yeah. That's what he did. He did kickboxing for twenty something years and did all that stuff, and then decided, okay, I'm gonna do this MMA thing. I'm gonna get good at everything else. Right. So. Yeah. I think that's a. I think that's every, but especially I mean nowadays nobody's shitty at one thing. Right. And, and then exceptional at another. You can't have a hole in your game these days mm-hmm. and be competitive. No, exactly. no, no, no. Unless, Unless you're heavy. Khabib. Yeah. Unless, Unless you're, you're heavyweight. Or Khabib. Right. You can just be like I'll train for a little bit on hands. Yes. That's my Khabib. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Same location. <laughs> Who did you start training with stand up then? Uh, Chris. Chris was. Uh, jiu-jitsu and kickboxing that like he was my coach for a couple years and then transitioned to training with john who's really really well-rounded and they had also john castle there who's oh, excellent yeah castle. He's yeah. So great. yeah and then um they had uh, mario in there for a little bit and then or not mario marcello coaching the jiu-jitsu oh, yep. for a little bit and then uh john stutzman was a jiu-jitsu coach for a long time did you train with ian then yeah okay yeah so I forgot about Ian, but yeah, he was there with John. Yeah, he yeah. was. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did Board get put into all this kerfuffle? So, Board and I met training at Kessler's. Like, so, um, I went from training with uh, Damage Incorporated. They were at that. They were at above this warehouse for like four or five years we've heard and then please tell us and then move locations like seven times in 18 months and i was like like i would show up for practice and they wouldn't be there anymore it was nuts so i just started training at uh with Klingerman at ibjj okay and then moved up to the north side and started training with kessler and uh i don't know a year after i started training with kessler board showed up okay yeah with his Kentucky, with his so. shoulders, and shoulders. <laughs> with his shoulders and his straight ankles. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wild. Yeah. It's, it, it, I think it's interesting. It's like a family tree because it yeah. feels like I just, I mean, I wouldn't say I just. I mean, I've been doing this for four years, but like, it still feels so new to me. And finding out how many things are connected is just absolutely wild it's a very incestuous community and, it is and to be fair if you train in Indiana you know most of the people that train or you know someone yeah. that knows someone right because it's kind of a, as big as it is I say air quotes big it's very small even in the even in the grand scheme of things because we know people who know top tier guys in the UFC Right. I mean, we train I, with people. Yeah. I train with. I was training with Chris Lytle in the gym when he got the call to do the Ultimate Fighter season four. How did that go? Did he get the call and you all broke out? So, like, 
we were we were running a training session okay. and the his name was uh, something McCorkle who owned uh, the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. No, nope, the other one. Scott. Okay. Scott. Yeah, Scott was a was a money roller, okay. right? Yeah. So Scott came and grabbed him and took him into a back room and like didn't tell us what was going on, but that that's what was going on. He got that phone call. Oh, yeah. neat. So that was like that was a big deal. Um, but I have a funny story about the first time I met Borg. Maybe not the first time, but one of the very like within the first five first times. So when he started training there. I had had an ACL surgery a month or two prior, okay? And it was on my right knee, and he and I were rolling. First time we've ever rolled, and I'm just laying down, going into half guard, and uh, just trying to protect that knee and, and moving a little bit, right? And he straight angle locked me like five times, and it was all on my left leg and not my right leg because I told him I was injured, and I was so impressed that he only straight angled my left leg and not my right, that he was able to set it up like that. And I told him so. And then like two years later, I finally realized he only does the left <laughs> angle <laughs> on anybody. It's just my thing. So, yeah. So the first time I met you was at, it was before uh, Aaron Johnson used to run wrestling IVJF. He was out. So uh, Angelo was running. Yeah. And... Hockenberry was there for like the first time or one of the first few times and you showed up randomly. He's like he was like, Hi Corey Bay Hun. Like you kept saying <laughs> like Angelo kept saying Angelo and I were really close when I was training at IBJ. I love Angelo. Yeah. He's, he's a fantastic wonderful guy. human being. So like he kept and saying And his that. son is just delight. Yeah. Another wonderful, wonderful human, human being. Yeah. And yeah. a fucking stud. He yeah, yeah, yeah. he's right. great. Um yeah, so you showed up and then like it was wrestling class and then like you and Hockenberry had like an epic match and I was like I don't want any of that <laughs> <laughs> no like like uh, hanging with Hockenberry that day is probably the last day that ever happened <laughs> um, well he's also with three of you now right so. yeah he's, he's put on a little mass and uh, his jujitsu has gotten so much better and it was wrestling class but it was wrestling for jujitsu so we were yeah. we were you know we played, we did, we played wrestling. We, <laughs> we played it. Yeah. We played, no, we did, we started doing sparring on Fridays and they were like, okay, wrestle. And I'm like, I don't understand <laughs> so, what's happening. Because every time she, uh, my partner would go in for like to smash, I would just go in for a guillotine. Yeah. But then I would get in trouble because I'm not allowed to do that. And I said, this is a fucking stupid sport. <laughs> well. Yeah, it's Jacob Ryan runs wrestling at top level, and so we were. He was like, "Okay, we're just." I didn't realize he was still around. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, he's like, well, "We're just we're wrestling, so we're just going for takedowns." So just you hit the floor, unless there's like an easy choke right there. Just I didn't hear that last part. I just heard <laughs> we're doing wrestling, and I said I don't know how, yeah, and then uh, I. So we're just taking shots, stuffing shots, getting back up, and then, yeah. So <laughs> we hit the floor, and then like she'll like. Strip out and start playing guard. No, <laughs> right, right. Good instincts. Yeah. For the whole game, but right it's idea. not the game you're playing. It's almost time. not good. In- I've learned that it's really quickly not good instincts. Like my jujitsu instincts are not the right ones for MMA, and it is. It's so much fun because it challenges me on a whole new level, but it also is incredibly disheartening because I'm like, so remember that time you thought you were good at something? You're not good at it. You suck well, actually. That, that that 
quote or whatever, you punch a black belt one time is a brown belt kind of thing. <laughs> it it, it kind of like, but, it, okay. but punches change everything. Yeah. So like yeah. you're, you know, you're, there's only like a couple of good guys in MMA that actually like shoot around for leg locks and are successful with them because it's not a prominent position. Right. You can get your head smashed in pretty quickly. Right. So it makes a difference, you know. You just have to learn what things are open and what things aren't quite as feasible because there's punching involved, yeah. which is why the, the ground sparring stuff is important. I actually landed on the other side of things because my jiu-jitsu was built around doing MMA with it for the first several years. I trained jiu-jitsu. So, like, getting in the habit of not having to protect my head when I'm in half guard and being able to open up and play the game a little better really made my jiu-jitsu better. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for you. You were like, actually, I was the exact opposite. Like, (laughs) I learned how great I was instead of how bad. So did you play a lot? You probably played a lot of no-gi in the beginning, right? Yeah, my jiu-jitsu was all no-gi until, like, 2009. Okay. Yeah. I think that might be the route that I want to start going because I honestly kind of don't ever want to get promoted because I feel like I was promoted so quickly it wasn't even quickly, but like it, it wasn't quickly. You deserved it. It was yeah. very scary, and now I'm like, I'll just stay here, and then when I go back to Gi, then I'll be a little bit well, ready. You know, and that's the thing. Like I've I've been kind of sitting in the same spot of three stripe purple belt for a while, and it really only matters if you compete in the Gi. Your rank, you yeah, mean? Yeah, rank wise, because you know otherwise, because I mostly just want to fight right now right. until I can't. You know. And, and if I do a local tournament, they all do expert no-gi. So you're going to get... I'm just going to sandbag myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. So, so like, rank is only... In tournaments... Uh, sorry. Rank really only matters in tournaments for, for anything of mm-hmm. consequence, right? But it's still nice to uh, be acknowledged of the progression of your game. I do enjoy I, that. Yeah. That's why, because, like, in Muay Thai, there's no ranking. But we do at our gym. It was kind of started... Like, my coach's coach and a few others kind of started, like, an armband thing, mm-hmm. which you don't you don't fight anybody. It, you know, you, I mean, you do fight. You fight whoever makes weight. So the armband ranking doesn't really matter, but it's it's an American gig. But it is nice to say, hey, your coach did – your coach thinks you did this well. You're, right. you're doing this well yeah. or whatever. So I do enjoy that aspect of it. Yes, we are the same armband color, if you didn't know that. We are the same it's because armband Because nobody's color. in my weight class that <laughs> didn't need spar. It's because I have worked real hard and I she has worked hard. I believe that. I believe. I believe that you've worked really hard. I will, I will agree with that. Yeah. She's worked very hard. Good job. And very she does good. really well. She, did, she definitely deserved getting that one. Excellent. I'm Thanks. just overdue. <laughs> I'm soaking it in for as long as I can. Yeah. Do it. So... Um, Mask. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with that. Cause I, but, I, but I also tell people, like, you know, I've I've lost to blue belts. I've beaten brown belts. And I'm a purple belt. You yep. know? I, it, I got tapped by a purple belt today. I got tapped by a 130-pound female purple belt today. Nice. <laughs> Lacey. Lacey tapped me with a straight angle. Like, oh, that fair. was really good. She gets me oh, all yeah. the time. Yeah. Uh, the so. only time I ever tapped Lacey was after she had a couple margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> She was like, and it was with a straight angle lock, I think, or something, or a heel yeah. hook, one of the two. And she was like, that was really good. Do I sound drunk? And I'm like, no, you sound fine. You're fine. Uh, one time, it was at an open mat at Fisher's, and it was, it was no e practicing. Like, she just, like, went straight to, like, I forget, she just, like, rolled right into a leg lock and, like, like inside heel hook, like, within, like, 20 seconds. And, like, 
as soon as I tapped, like my fucking ankle popped, and I was, she was like, and I was like, I'm good. That was really good though, by the <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah. I was about to tap before that popped. <laughs> yeah, she she has uh, really developed a, a very unique and, and powerful game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. For sure. Which is awesome, especially for the girls in the jujitsu community, because learning that is mm. is really important. Yeah. But let's. I was going to ask you how, what were you doing for the state? Because I think when we started talking about, don't make that face. <laughs> no, 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 it's a fun. Were no. you a state stripper? Like what? Yeah, so I stripped for the Department of Workforce Development. Nice, I love that. <laughs> no, so, so. Um, That's a job? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Do they have great benefits? It was, it was really great job, benefits. Yeah. The pay wasn't great. It was okay. Uh, no, so the, the Department of Workforce Development uh, also runs like the GED centers for the state. Okay. Uh, the the adult education division mm-hmm. is who I worked for, and I was in assessments something. But like I I we did a really big project while I was kind of sort of leading it. We we switched from the GED test to uh, a McGraw Hill test. Um, oh yeah. Um, because it, it stopped being proprietary and it was a big deal. It was a lot of work and I was in charge of like training all the adult education centers on how to use the new test and Wow. Yeah. That's neat. So it was so you worked for the state, so you had government insurance and all that mm-hmm. good shit. Okay, yeah. cool. I still have government insurance. And yeah, it's yeah, actually way better at the local level than it is at the state yeah. level. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. Yeah. Um, now where are you at now? You're I as, work for Nozel Fire Department. Okay. As a as Are a you? firefighter? <laughs> I mean, because last night I was paramedic. like, well, that's what I said. I was like, last night we were here <laughs> and we got really in big trouble because Hannah called you like an EMT or something. Yeah. And you were like, I am a paramedic. Well, EMTs, to be fair, I hear get treated like shit and don't make any good money. I don't know the difference, so, so I am dumb. For the for the fire department, the like medics get uh, a few thousand dollars stipend, uh, but we're all paid the same. Um, but the difference between an EMT and a paramedic is that an EMT is trained in essentially like uh, advanced first aid in a lot of ways, okay. right? And as a paramedic, I can start IVs, administer medication, do EKGs. Uh, like it's it's a much more invasive, highly skilled uh, medical professional. Okay. And I was really just being facetious talking to Hannah last night. Like that's <laughs> it's it's kind of a, a joke that's she... really serious about how. Uh, self-righteous paramedics are and I like to like play into that jokingly but for people that aren't on the scene that looks like I'm being serious she was like I, I had such a good time until Corey said that really hurtful thing to me no joking she, did, she literally did not <laughs> no she had a great time JK JK um, no we get your your stupid humor <laughs> that's totally fair totally fair yeah so I was asking Austin yesterday that I was like, did you guys really save cats? And he's like, sometimes, sometimes. Yeah, yeah animal rescues are some of my favorite runs to go on. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling ducks out of sewers. What? <laughs> okay, I feel like very frustrated because I feel like everybody else has a cool like sewer duck story where they put it on a dodo <laughs> and you have not posted anything. So like, get I, I don't post too much from work just to, like, Actually, I don't post much on social media at all anymore. Yeah, you don't. It's fine. I, it's fine. But, like, some of our administrators at work get really 
uh, I mean, it's fair. Like it's a it's a public job, so you have to be real careful if you're associating yourself with that job. You have to be careful what you're posting. So I try to we maintain can a blink certain out level where you are. Yeah, <laughs> I try to maintain a certain level of distance. So if I here's a great example. So I had. Uh, when I first started, I had that I worked for Noblesville Fire Department on my Facebook, and then I lost a bet with my girlfriend at the time, and the bet was that I had to put a really embarrassing profile picture up for a week. I had that profile picture up for one hour before my battalion chief came in and said, hey, you have to take that down because that doesn't look good for the department. So that's when I removed my okay. association. Because see, nobody says no. anything to me about what I post. <laughs> so. No, no. What was the picture? So uh, it was me from college dressed up in uh, an elf hat and Santa boxers with uh, ribbon uh, nipple tassels. And I was kind of curled up on a couch doing a sexy little tiger pose. That's not good for the... I guess you are, Richard. <laughs> You're a little wound, a little tight. That, was <laughs> that seems like they it would boost that in the calendar. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Wait, you guys have a real calendar? They so they did one my probationary year, and uh, like it was the like the firefighters' wives have a club they call the auxiliary, and they made the calendar and made a ton of money off of it. But apparently, it was a lot of hassle like promoting it, so they haven't done another one since. Because I want a sexy cat firefighter calendar. <laughs> I bet I you want do. every month to just be you. <laughs> Christmas is coming uh, up. Yeah, we'll, Sarah will do a little photo shoot. Yeah. Just do the pictures and we'll make one for you. <laughs> but he he also probably would demand like cute animals with the, the firefighters. He has dogs. Yeah, we can, we can make this happen. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so what was, um? I don't know, I just, it's such a wild, how did those things why did you decide to do that? Yeah, so that's actually the most interesting part of my job at the state, in my opinion. So one of the one of the assessments that I procured for the adult education centers was a career interest inventory to help the, the students figure out, like, what am I going to do once I get my GED, right? So part of the, like, procurement process is that I had to do the career inventory, right? And it said that I should be a cop or a firefighter, and I scored too high on the test to be a cop, so I became a firefighter. No. I thought it was a lady, but I was like, no, no, so. very like, <laughs> All the cops will think that's funny. Actually, all the firefighters will think that's funny. The cops won't, but uh, <laughs> no. So that really did tell me I should be a cop or a firefighter. So I like after after I saw that, I thought it made a lot of sense, and I was not really enjoying my desk job. So I busted my ass for two years, going through classes and going through uh, hiring processes, and, and just like pouring my life into trying to become a firefighter. And after two years, I was like, man, it's just not going to happen. I'm not going to make it. And about a week after I decided I was done putting the effort in, I got a call. Huh. That's so interesting because one of – this is so dumb and woo-woo. One <laughs> of the expectations of law of attraction is that you have to be okay with not having it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, man. You have to make peace with not having it, and then it'll come to you. If you want it too badly, it will not. That that seems so opposite of the law of attraction from from like the the simplistic way that I'm familiar with it, right? Yeah. yeah. It's wild. I don't know. I low key kind of don't believe in it, but sometimes I'm like, damn, that I mean, was. That's usually when the good things happen, though. I feel like you. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes 
you know. Like, but also maybe it's like you make peace with what you have and then you find yourself being like, I'm just happy with whatever comes into that specific realm. Yeah. But that's also something that I go back and forth on. But I think it's interesting. I'm low-key envious because every time I do a career assessment, they're like, you should be an actress. Yes, like, you should. But I can't make money at that, so try again. And then it's like, you should be a doctor. And I was like, not smart enough? Try again. So it's like I constantly have to spin this wheel, and it's always like, you're either an actress or you work at Home Depot. There's like no in between. I think the thing that was it's telling you what you're good at and, and what you would enjoy mm. I don't think it's necessarily saying you're going to get filthy rich off of this yeah but I'm not going to make any money off of it so it's kind of like Burr. no but you I mean I'm shit being a pro MMA fighter what do you make three and three yeah. starting out yeah. you know you don't make good money on it you pursue it because you enjoy it and there's an opportunity to potentially build and make good money out of it so it's kind of the same you know you can do it more because you don't take brain damage, hopefully. <laughs> I take emotional damage. Emotional That's damage. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was, uh, I, I feel like I've been really fortunate to pursue a lot of dreams in my life. Um, MMA being the, the first one that I really pursued as an adult and um, like, poured myself into that and ended up deciding I was done with it and never really thought about being a firefighter until that career inventory told me it would be a good idea and I thought it made a lot of sense so I poured myself into that and pursuing another dream now that came later in life uh, so, so I am I feel incredibly fortunate with the opportunities that have been given to me and it, like I'm, I'm happy you get to pursue acting and, and a hobby level yeah oh um, yeah for sure for sure no I think it's I also I guess do a lot of different hobbies and I mean I I technically perform every day not as like a weird like I'm performing every day being happy but like as like I'm a teacher so I constantly have to be performing for sure, my students yeah. anyway but that being said I feel like what what would you have said to someone who got that after they got their GED to become a firefighter no if they keep they scroll they took the test in the thing popped up and was like you are supposed to be an actress or a news anchor <laughs> so we'd look at different uh different careers within those fields um so like being an actor you can you can look at starting as on um, building sets and, and stuff like that right yeah. like i'm not familiar with that field but there are there are a lot of jobs outside of just being an actor that help you um fit the pieces of your personality into that role um, such as being an acting teacher at a school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of things tangentially related to that, like core idea of being an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I just thought it was funny that it was always like the thing that I would always get, and I would be so fucking mad about it because I'm like, that's not even a real job. <laughs> what the hell? Why is that not even that on attitude. there? Why is that even on there? That's something that weird art people say. I'm going to go to New York and be an actress. <laughs> so, but, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a lot of it is connected to that uh, field rather than being that one thing. Yeah, I mean, I always thought, I would be like, maybe I'll just work in HR. Like, I, <laughs> there I'll you just go. be a person, a liaison. Yeah. Um, that's so funny. The, what do you, what kind of advice do you have for people who are potentially getting into the, to the cage for the first time? <laughs> 
Good, good advice. Um, like, you should have already gotten the advice two years prior. <laughs> like, you shouldn't be walking into the cage looking for some good advice. At that point, it's not even going to matter. So then what if they're like, I'm thinking about doing this. This is yeah. what I've been doing. Start training, get hit in the face a few times, see if that's something you want to do in front of a big group of people. Okay. Yeah. Don't just do it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I do that mistake too. Because Me too. Me the, too. The yeah. first, because I trained with, you know, my friends that were in ISU and just like on a weekend, every once in a while we'd all beat the crap out of each other. Right. Like, you know, and then like, but you know, they were friends that had trained a little bit. So I had a little bit, but then I got right. somebody who would actually knew how to fight, you know, and I ended up with a broken nose. So, you know. <laughs> Everybody thinks they're a fighter until they fight somebody who knows how to fight. Yeah. <laughs> But luckily, I didn't shy away from it. I actually, the next week, went to top level. And that's a special kind of human being. If you're able to get that get that broken nose and be like, yeah, this is my thing. Yeah. It, it's really your thing at that I'm point. I'm kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little fucked up, yeah. right? <laughs> so the, the judo program that I was in as a kid, um, like one of the, the like special treats we would get at the end of class is we'd put on fingerless gloves and foot pads. It was foot pads, not even shin pads at the time. And we get to do some from some free sparring. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, and that's really where I fell in love with the idea of yeah. mixed martial arts, even though I didn't know what it was at ten years old. Yeah, I think I, I don't even think I, I, I mean, I didn't really fall in love with the art of mixed martial arts. I just was like, Amanda Nunes is so cool, and it was just about being tough because I think as a very small girl. No one thinks you're tough. And if they do, they think you're a chihuahua, which is really offensive. <laughs> Before she started training, I was at the gym, or I was at the, excuse me, I was at B-dubs, and it was Amanda Nunez versus Ronda Rousey. And it was me and, like, Ian and a few, like, a small group of, like, fighters. And, like, she was texting me about how much she loved Amanda Nunez, and I was like, well, she's about to beat the brakes off Ronda Rousey, so yeah. hold up. And then, like, everybody was cheering, and Ronda Rousey came out. Except for like the five of us, right. there. and then and then as soon as she got stopped in like forty seconds tops, everybody was quiet. We're like, all right, well, yeah, saw this one coming. I gotta get out of here. I knew that was gonna happen. Um, Man, uh, Amanda Nunez is, is one of the baddest individuals in the UFC right now. Yeah, like she's just, fucking amazing. Yeah, she's amazing, and I just love her whole like life persona. Well, like she just yeah seems like she emits just love and training, and I think that's amazing. And I just think we need more people like that in the world. Absolutely, the like the the person she is when she's uh, destroying another human being for money is not the same person she is when she's holding her daughter, and it's no. such uh, like it's such a beautiful thing to see. Well, even when she was going Both against um, who is a really tall girl, she was going in Megan, Megan, and when she brought her daughter out, and the two of the women who just beat the shit like or well. They fought. Yeah. <laughs> one of them yeah. got the shit beat out of them. One of them got the shit beat out of them. But, like, sh- they came in and they were all of a sudden just, like, the most humanistic, like, women of all time. And they just shared a moment of being like, you're a new mom. That's so cool. And to me, that is exactly, like, the gladiator mentality that I think I want to see in the fight every single time. Yeah. You go into the cage. You beat the shit out of each other. But when you leave, you better be best friends because you just shared blood. You just shared sweat what more what there's nothing more intimate than that except for sex that's exactly the word i used to tell people about it like it is such an intimate experience to share that time with another human being yes 
Absolutely. And when those women got out there and did that, for me to see as a woman was, it was so powerful. It was so powerful because I think, honestly, I think that is what um, the island that Diana Princess... um, uh, Wonder Woman, like that fictional <laughs> island is about. Okay, it's about, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like these wonderfully powerful yeah. women like learning how to kick the shit out of each other and defend their island, basically, yeah. but then also lifting each other up. Yeah. And that is not something you see every day. All my best friends are from the gym, pretty much. Put yeah. that on a Christmas card. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> alright, so do you, I feel uncomfortable when I see fighters young children ringside never mind in the cage like I feel like that's a very weird situation for those children to be in or for those parents to be in with their kids so I have a story about that that I was told about because there's there's fights in some other parts of Indiana that are not quite as nice as Coliseum Combat I'm not Mm going to name names Mm -hmm. but the guy who was fighting, it was kind of like back in the day, his, like, son was in his corner. And his son was probably, like, 10. Oh, no. Or something. And his his dad was just getting the brakes beat off and, like, turtled up, getting punched. And, and, and I, my friend told me about this. He was, the kid was saying, come on, dad. It's like oh. Simba. And I'm like, oh, man. Wow. Way to I'm really like, twist the knife, yeah, Sarah. So, <laughs> when I see that, I, you know... To me, it's just like this kid probably doesn't know what his dad is trying to do or anything else or even understand. Just thinks his dad is Superman. It's different when, you know, like if, if any of us had kids that we took them to the gym and they grew up in that atmosphere and they realized what it was, this is a trained, sanctioned thing. I don't know, even that, I just feel like. What kid doesn't think their dad well, is yeah. the toughest man on the planet, right? Yeah. But still. I mean, any good, any good dad. But, yeah. <laughs> or even halfway I mean, good dad. I yeah, but but the, but you're right though. But that's you know so. But the, that's at least you, I don't think you can change that. I think yeah. they're still gonna be like my dad just got his ass kicked. But right. I, but I, I do think it, it at least makes it make a little more sense than you're, you're right. You're right. Some yeah. kid who my dad's going to the gym today, or he's going out in the garage to punch the bag, and he doesn't realize that that's gonna be another person in a week trying to punch him. Yeah. You know, and like right, not good. The the thing the, the so a higher profile case of that was the last Pride event that they ever did. Mark Coleman got abused by Fedor Milianenko, mm. and after the fight with an eye swollen shut, mm-hmm. he brought his two crying daughters into the ring yeah. to oh meet God. Fedor, and like it was just such a like honestly, I felt disgusted by the whole thing. Yeah, it was, Fedor doesn't even speak English, right? So how is he going to be like? I'm sorry, kids. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. he doesn't speak English. He doesn't have emotions, and he just right. beat that up. Like, how are you yeah. going to interact with those kids? Right, exactly. Yeah, I no, I I don't see that like ending well at all. And the kids. Like his two daughters were crying as he was like taking them up there. Yeah, Ugh. that's Ugh. rough. I didn't see how that was a good idea. I think he, I think Mark thought that that was a. a he probably saw this going down after he beat Fedor, which was crazy on its own. Yeah, but. I think he did that because he thought, you know, this would be a good like humanity moment. But his his daughters were like eight. Yeah. You know, and and I saw that because it, it's on UFC Fight Pass. Like uh, behind the fighter mm-hmm. thing or something, yeah. and Mark Coleman talked about that moment. And really? Yes. And then his daughters, because his daughters, one of them is like twenty one now, so they're on their 
of age now talking kind of about yeah. things and stuff. You know, it's like. What did they say? Yeah. I don't remember. It oh, I'm going to have to check fuck? this out. Yeah. We're going to have to do an update because that was a really big oh. cliffhanger to leave us on. It's on UFC Fight Pass, though. It's okay. in their. Um, it's, yeah, it's in the library. It's UFC Fight Pass. Yeah. Got it. Okay. It's, it's like one of the stories, like a behind the fighter thing yeah. or something they did. Because I want to know how that impacted the daughters. Like, how do you go and then, like you said, like. How many therapy see, sessions did it take for them to process <laughs> yeah. that? I mean, we all fuck up our kids one way or another. Sure, yeah. But, like, that seems a little extreme. Yeah. That seems a little extra. I don't know. I've heard some worse stories. Sure, yeah. yeah. There are worse stories. That is true. Few I of mean, them like, captured on live TV, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is true. It's. it's and it is such a weird thing because it's like, how does that affect you emotionally as a young girl to see your dad get beat up? It, and whereas a lot of young girls and young men see their mom getting beat up by their... Ooh. Does that make sense? Like that yeah. kind of like mind fuck and um, I don't know. That's a lot to wow. unpack yeah. as like a someone who that. works with kids on the daily is just like... Yeah. Like the shit that some of them see is just like... I want to shield your eyes, but I cannot. So let's dance. Yeah. <laughs> let's dance. Let's dance. Let's dance. Let's <laughs> dance. Fuck our. Let's dance. Basically, basically. <laughs> I am so glad that we got to come here and. Yes, and this was so much fun. I love we you guys have, so I much. I have so many more questions that I won't ask because we're already in an hour. Okay. But I just, I don't know, like. I, I find it interesting. Does everyone at your work, like, think you're such a cool person because you fight? Yeah, so so we have two guys at Noblesville who were pro boxers, like high level pro boxers. Cool. Okay. We have. Do you uh, guys just duke it out in the firehouse? No, <laughs> it's like so the, they do nine one one slugfest every year, right? Uh, which is like cops versus firefighters mm-hmm. raising oh, money for yeah, charity. I, yeah. I did a jujitsu match, match for them. That was my first black belt competition. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, we take down. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they they train some guys getting ready for that. Um, and then we've got a couple other guys that were pretty high level wrestlers and then we've got another guy who's a black belt under Greg so we've got a pretty like we've got a few badasses there basically I'm not that don't special. fuck with the nobles yeah fire basically we've, nice. got, we've got a, a contingent of badasses that's pretty cool I'm not that special <laughs> yeah. like normally we just like ride down the pole so <laughs> when I go to work it's, it's me and Chase Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and Chase doesn't work in my right. He's he's in the office. You you guys are just feeling a connection from at some distance apart. Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like when I walk in there, I'm like I'm probably the baddest motherfucker in Plainfield right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There you have it. From the baddest motherfucker in Plainfield. And the baddest motherfucker in Noblesville. <laughs> And then there's me. We're in the same room. That's crazy. (laughs) What? (laughs) Good to know we're not the same person, though, just to spread out the badass room a little bit. Yeah, you have to spread it out. It's thick like peanut butter, though. Yeah, yeah. Real thick. Goodbye.